1: Welcome everyone to the final episode of the Gagampod for the 2019-20 season. The season that almost looked like it was never going to finish. Now it finally has. David Wiener with you once again for the 52nd episode of the campaign. Joined by Thomas Sorensen and for probably the 52nd time this year, Michael Bridges. (laughs) Let's get stuck straight into it. Morning guys, morning after the night before Great to see you both. Thanks for joining us after it was a late night for all of us, for all football fans across Australia that stayed up to watch. And for those that didn't, hopefully we can provide a nice little summary for you on your way home from work to find out what happened in what was an exciting final night of the Premier League. Um, Bridgie, how are you holding up? Welcome. Good to see you once again. I'm holding up very well, Dave, all things we We had the show last
2: night. And, uh, you know, the warm-up show, there was myself, Swarty, John Aloisi, Richard Bayliss, all giving everybody the permutations, what could happen, because there was a lot going on. And then just came back, chilled out and enjoyed it for what it was. Last-minute it, last, last minute dramas all around the country and some great goals and some good football, Dave. So I'm holding up very well, mate. I'm a little bit blurry because I did have one too many beers. So, <laughs> But that's all things concert. I think that's that's allowed.
1: At this, at this end of the season, it absolutely That's never affected your performance before, so it won't now.
2: Yeah, exactly. Many years of practice at Leeds United. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, my virtual background is at Stamford Bridge. I'm over the moon, and Thomas's virtual background today is the Villa players celebrating survival. How are you, Thomas? A great result for your former club last night.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, super excited for, for Villa. Uh, you know, looking back just a month, a month ago, everything looked uh, doom and gloom and, and the people I spoke to in, in Birmingham were were more or less uh, chucking it in. And, and, and to see that the job that Dean Smith has done, you know, back to basics, uh, stop leaking goals, they haven't been uh, amazing to watch. But, uh, you know, a, a talisman in Grealish who, who again stepped up today when, when they needed him and, and just got over the line. So, um, you know, w- with my personal investment And my time there, you know, I'm just grateful that they managed to, because you need a a team like Villa in the Premier League, I think. Um, So, delighted. Great morning.
1: Well, we'll start there, because as much as it's all about, we always talk about the big clubs, and we always kick off with sort of the big six, so to speak, and the top four. Let's start there, because you mentioned Villa a big club. It's absolutely massive that both them and, and Leeds are in the Premier League together at the same time. This season. We don't know who's coming up yet, that's all getting played out as we speak over the course of the next week. But huge to have them both back. And Bridgie, it was a nerve-jangling night for Villa fans who would have shook on a nil-all at the start if you could have taken it. Grealish produces the heroic moment, and a hundred seconds later, Yamalenko deflects one in, and the absolute, well, let's just say, you know what in bricks seconds later for the rest of the, <laughs> for the night.
2: It's just incredible how football it makes and creates these stories like you know thomas was saying there the man that wears the armband Grealish. there's a lot of teams chasing him he's you know he's been the man that the go-to man because he's so good on the ball he makes things happen and the celebrations when he scored it, it was magnificent you just saw them they all you could see the relief but you switch off in their moments you switch off like you say they go up the other end there's nothing they could have done about the goal. I mean, I think it was Pepper, Reina, If he'd been 20 years younger, he might have got it. But the size of him, he just didn't seem to be able to get his his unit of a body or his horse off the ground okay. to to actually save it. And it's just incredible how it how that deflection went in. And then you, like you said, Dave, it was backs to the walls. The nerves were kicking in. And he, they're looking at the other game as well. They're watching that other match. They know exactly what's going on. The staff on that board, they're listening, and that's why they. Afterwards when the final whistle went, they have just held back on the celebrations because they didn't know what was going on because the the game with Arsenal and Watford just went on a little bit longer than what, what was expected, and then it was celebration time. so again it was it was just brilliant to see the different I mean, I've been in that situation before, I think Thomas has as well the relegation battles, and it, it was tough for us. we had a delay in 15 minutes in our game, and it was the worst longest 15 yeah. minutes. I had to end in my playing career to see the result at Coventry. And we didn't have the celebration that Aston Villa had. So I'm I'm delighted for them because they're a big club, they've got a lot of history, and I'm I'm delighted that they have actually stayed up because I have I've said it before, Watford didn't deserve to stay in the league because of what's going on behind the scenes. And I think Bournemouth had just run out of ideas. Having said that, Dave, VAR has cost um Bournemouth with a um dodgy goal against Sheffield United.
1: Well, that's an interesting one because like, you can't ever put everything down to one moment in a season. But realistically, that's in a, in, a, in a Premier League campaign that comes down to margins. And at times, it could have been goal difference. Here, it was a point in the relegation race. It's amazing, Thomas, that VAR was brought in because of those million-dollar consequences. And again, Bournemouth had things go against them through a season in terms of injuries. As you say, Eddie Howe's... Maybe, you know, that that ran out, that charm charm relationship. But you can pinpoint that one moment against Sheffield United on the return day of the Premier League season that is the difference for Aston Villa.
3: Yeah, potentially. Uh, You know, I'm not a man for excuses. And I don't think, um, you know, Eddie Howard would put his arm up and and pinpoint that. Uh, There's been a lot of factors involved. Uh, but, but I, I think you agree with you, you know, it is margins, small percentages, and, and uh, it tends to even itself out, but, but, but VAR was brought in to, to at least eliminate the, the big mistakes. Um, and I think that's the question that sort of lingers now when, you know, we, we sort of look at the season overall. Has VAR been what we expected it to be? I think there's just been too much talk still. Too too many grey areas. Uh, so I I, st- I still think there's a big job there still to, to, to do. And um, you know when it's costing teams, uh, then it's 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 an issue.
2: Dave, I'll put one over to you. I know me and Thomas love talking about the football side of it, but going from a different side of it, I want your opinion. Is it potential that Bournemouth could sue the Premier League or the V the people in charge of the V off the amount of money that they're going to lose due to that big horrific
1: mess up? You know what, uh, and I'm, I'm talking a little bit around it because I can't say for sure, but they, they, they say that moment was a one in 9,000 game anomaly of VAR, but the thing is it's not like, do you remember when-
2: Dave, um, me, Murray and my wife was a one in a million anomaly <laughs> and I managed to do it, so there is a chance.
1: And unfortunately you're still contract bound to it, so it's, uh, you're, not, <laughs> you're not out of it. <laughs> no, it's, it's one of those ones that mistakes within the realm of, of VAR, are probably things you can't sue for. It's like where something is beyond the scope of the rules. Like remember when Thierry Henry uh, played that handball and and against Republic of Ireland, which was beyond the scope. Or I think there was a match replay in the championship a few years back where a a a, a, a goal kick was taken instead of a or a penalty was taken instead of an indirect free kick or something like that. Where it's actually it's actually fundamentally wrong or technically wrong. you, you don't expect that to happen whereas this is something where you know you're going to get a technical error in the in a football with VAR you just hope it's not you
2: uh, I remain to be seen I would be looking if that's my club and that's happened I'll be looking so deep to any loophole or any any kind of advice that we that the club could do just because I think it's yeah the, the goal line technology in the VAR has really it, it, it's really hurt Bournemouth
3: yeah, but uh, Bridget, I don't quite agree with you there because I, I think, uh, you know, going into to, to start open that kind of worms, I think you're undermining, you know, what football is all about. You know, you're trying to create a, a set of rules. Yeah, they're not perfect yet. That Yes, there is things that needs to be. But when you start then suing it and you're starting, I think that's, um, you know, that's it's just going to undermine the game and and. Uh, you know, not work towards uh, what we want to uh, happen, but, but you're working against it. Um, and I don't think it would be a good look for Bournemouth either.
2: That's me put
1: back in my shell. Cheers, Tommy. Thank you, mate.
3: Good. <laughs> <laughs> you you <laughs> certainly... belong, Bridgie. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> certainly have a huge amount of sympathy for them. Um, while we're talking about cherries, I mean, Eddie, how does he stay, Bridgie? And um, a, a club like Bournemouth have been batting overs for five years did a fabulous job in the Premier League. How hard is it for them to do a West Brom, you know, do a Villa and come back within a couple of years or get caught in the, uh, the quicksand of the Championship? I don't think it's going to hurt Bournemouth too
2: much financially, Dave, because I don't think the players, the club had a lot of vision. They didn't go and just spend stupid money and give stupid wages out. There would have been... Definitely something in the players' contracts for going down. I think the hardest thing looking at it is who can they hold on to and who's going to be leaving. Because Bielsa was at that ground yesterday; he was watching. They've just been promoted. Who's he going to? Because they're looking for options, you know, where they can get players in at a good price. Stanislas again played well. You've got the boy Brook. You've got Car- you got know, here, Williams. So there's a lot of clubs are going to be looking at the players that have been there for several years. Fraser's another great player. Mm. I think that can that'll um, be back in the Premier League. So it's who they can hold on to. And if they can, fantastic. If they can't, I think they, they, they won't bounce back um, next season if they lose two, three or four players. On the flip side of that, Eddie Howe, I was, actually, I was thinking about that one last night when I'm watching them go down, thinking what club does Eddie Howe suit? Mm. And Crystal Palace have been on a horrendous run under Roy Hodgson. Has that is that going to come to an end? There's talk that it might be um, the ginger Mourinho coming in from Burnley to Crystal Palace mm. could Eddie could where could Eddie Howe go with his kind of style of play I think he's got at Palace and he could transform Burnley around to get them playing a different style that the fans might enjoy and apart from that I was looking thinking there's not really any other clubs in and around that's the, the Premier League that would suit him. Um, at this moment in time, because everybody else has either got somebody in there that they're established with. Um, and to be fair, I wouldn't mind seeing him at Spurs, you know, if, Mar- if they got Merida Mourinho, getting back to playing some attractive football. Um, but it remains to be seen. I-, I don't know where Eddie Howe goes, but he belongs in the Premier League because I, I do like his style.
3: I'll throw a name in there for you. Um, what about Aston Villa? I know Dean Smith has, has done a good job. Um but is he the man to, to take the club to the next level? I think Eddie Howe could be a potential suitor there.
2: Bloody hell, Tommy. That's fantastic.
1: Well, you're at, you, oh. you, you, you've asked and answered this, the, uh, the start of the quick next question I was going to ask you, actually, Thomas, in terms of Villa obviously batting down the hatches for the last 12 points, 10 points from the last 12. Really a late-season miracle run. And as you said last week, there's always one of them. But what next? What next? Because there was a lot of money spent... Uh, perhaps not in the in the best way possible. Um, is is it the change of direction that from the top that's the next stage for Aston Villa to consolidate their space back in the elite?
3: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you 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 need to overlook. You know, you need to look at the the, the whole situation. Um, like I said, I think Dean Smith has has done a really good job. I think the uh, the break suited them well. Uh, they looked at. What was not happening, and and they rectified it. They worked on things. You you could see a game plan, you know, coming out of it uh, at the restart. And and it's you know it's it's been just about enough. But going forward, uh, I think, um, and that's why I threw Eddie Howe's name in. There. I think you need, yeah. uh, if you want to move up and 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 be the big club that Villa can be and was in the past, like Leeds, you need. You know, you need a, a new philosophy, I think. You need uh, to get someone in there with, with uh, a different playing style, someone who can develop the um, club uh, and put a plan in place. Um, so so I think, yeah, it's time at least now to sit down and they need to have to have some big decisions to make.
1: Interesting shout-out. Maybe uh, Eddie Howe was six months late for Aston Villa, and uh, for Everton too, by the way, Bridgie. Carlo Joletti's there now, but maybe he would have yeah. suited them had yeah, he uh, really. been available six months and ago? And again,
2: they're, they're looking very, very tidy for next season. You know, he's got a big job at, at hand. He's come back. He's done a job because they, they, you know, they want to hide him for nothing. I think it was Ferguson obviously settled the ship there, but I think you're right. But I, I hadn't even thought about Aston Villa for Eddie Howe because I'm still thinking of the celebrations that were going on last night. But when you're looking at the bigger picture, Tommy, You've, I don't know what you've been drinking last night, mate, but you've you've taken some wisdom pills because that, that's sensational.
1: <laughs> Who, well, there's one big, big question mark still over Villa. And I'll go to you, Thomas, because I think, Bridget, we touched on this last last week or the week before. Uh, it's Jack Grealish. Um, obviously a fitting goal scorer. A phenomenal, phenomenal season. Um, so, two-part question. Does he stay slash where does he go? And then... What are the transfer priorities for Aston Villa?
3: Uh, you know, I, I think it would, be, it would be difficult to keep him. Um, unless they could put a, a great package together with, you know, with a, a potential manager, a new outlook. Um, but, you know, I think there's too many suitors, uh, too much money involved. Um, you know, I think Bridgie mentioned Tottenham. Um, as a potential landing spot where he would fit in and, and be that link um, between the midfield and, and the strikers. Uh, so, so I, again, uh, it all depends on playing style, what the, what route they want. That that's you know that that links into the recruitment of players that they need going forward. Uh, but but I think they, there's good signs. I think they've got a you know a lot of money was obviously spent, but but they've got a good foundation if they can keep everyone else except Grealish. Um, and then add. Now they've got the money again to to add for next season. So, so it all, I think it all comes down to what direction they want to go. Who's at the, who's 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 at the head of the ship? And, and um, uh, but I think Grealish, it'll be tough to keep him. I think he's gone.
2: I know he wears the armband with pride, Tommy. He's he's been in the league with them. He's gone down to the championship. He's gone now through a relegation battle. I think it's time for him to move on and have a season where he can go and express himself and play in a team that are going to be guaranteed a top 10 finish where he can go and you know showcase what he is all about instead of he, 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 he'll have matured so much as a leader and as a player but I'd love just love to see him play with no shackles on him and, and actually have a crack in it in a big team and I'm no disrespect I say big team I mean like somebody that's potentially going to win in that top half of the table
3: yeah, but also with the Euros coming up, you wanna you wanna push for for an inning spot. You know, you you, you wants <laughs> he has ambitions of of bigger things, and uh, I think Villa is 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 a little bit of a, a longer uh, prospect than going to to a top top ten club.
2: Well, I remember seeing this kid. Uh, I think Grealish was about five, six, or seven years ago, and um, when I was at the Hong Kong Masters seven aside tournament. And what we have, we have the old boys play, over 35s have a tournament, and you also see the under-23s. And a lot of the teams, Aston Villa, Leicester, Atletico Madrid, they all take their teams to are playing this end-of-season tournament, and it's quite prestige to to win it. And I saw this kid playing for Aston Villa back then, Jack Grealish, Jack and he won play of the tournament. And everybody was talking about him from every club, and that was before he'd even broke onto the first-team scene. So, um, I, I, I mean, there was no... No doubt where his career's gone, but again, I would just love to see him get that move and playing it in a top top team.
1: So, in a word, which club is
2: always Tottenham. best for
1: him? I said
2: Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Um, I've said that. I'd be interested to see where Tommy thinks.
3: Yeah, it's um, oh, you, you go to um, you know Newcastle, or you know, I think it would be tough for him to go to to a top to to one of the top four sides. Um, I think you'd be looking, uh, you know, potentially, you know, Arsenal,
2: yeah. um, Arsenal, Tottenham. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah. I think he'll suit 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 those teams, um, uh, but yeah, um, who, who can afford him? Um, you know, again, and where does does that fit with these ambitions? I think I think you you're only looking at that top top eight uh, yeah. as a as a possible landing spot.
2: I think if Arsenal could get rid of Özil and see Jack Grealish's name on the team sheet, they would they would snap your hand off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agree. I think that, that's that's the taste is managed. But they're but they're not in the top eight, so you can't so that's not that's not the right club for
3: him. Oh <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave. Could still be time. in Europe, Dave. could still be in Europe. So
2: One way I, think, I mean what what was that stat saying how long Arsenal have not finished out like in a European spot? It's like something like twenty odd years. 26
3: oh, yeah, years?
1: ninety five, I think. This is their worst finish since ninety five.
2: I mean, that's an incredible record. I didn't realise they were so so dominant in that, that degree. That was um that was a massive stat.
1: Yeah. No. we'll talk about their possible backdoor entry in a moment. But no, Jack Grealish will be. That'll be one of the talking points of the off season. Is where he does start next season. Um, you didn't get much blowback on your Watford criticism last week, Bridgie. That's for sure on social media. Are you? Are you serious? I'm oh, I didn't get it personally. Annihilated. Re- really? Annihilated.
2: Yeah.
1: I've I saw the majority actually. The majority actually agree with you that I saw, but I didn't. I don't get the personal notification. You didn't get the personal
2: ones, Dave. So everybody's entitled to their opinion on football, but I tell you what, I was. Um, I even got some Jets fans saying, I loved you as a player for the Jets, but I've lost all respect for you, young man, what you said about the Hornets. Well, really? I'm sorry. What, was the,
1: what was the major call-out?
2: Me, I, I was just saying that they didn't, they didn't like the way that I had actually said. I hope that they go down because of the way that they, the backroom staff have, have ran the football club. And I, I still stand by that because I think it's, it's a, it has been a shambles. And I see players like Troy Deeney that are playing through an injury. For the club, he'd done get a knee operation, and he's come out and said, "You know, I've I've tried to battle on." Uh, and there was a lot of love for Pearson. I'll tell you that he had the dressing room sorted out. So again, it it goes well back before that, but they were just disappointed. The way I said, I hope that Watford do go down. They don't belong in the Prem. Might have been a bit harsh. It's going to upset some fans. Majority did agree, Dave. But I'll tell you what, I got some pelters, mate. Oh. Wow.
1: Well, you put your you, you do put your money where your mouth is. That is for sure. That's why we that's why we've been talking for. I think I worked out or something like if you added all the podcasts together for this year, you and I have here talking to each other for three days straight. So you know, in three days, you're going to let your tongue slip at some point.
3: <laughs> Correct. Little old three minutes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what sums up what sums up what you were saying about Watford over or under three, two coaches in the championship next year. How many will they go through, and where will, what will happen to them?
2: Take it away, Tommy.
3: Uh you know, I I think it's a problem when you got ownership that gets uh you know, the step over the the line. You know, if if the rumors are true that it was an an argument between, you know, uh, Pearson and and the owner or the you know ownership group that that cost him the the, the job, then uh you know you gotta look at the results and you gotta look like Bridgie said, it looked like he had things sorted out there. They were moving in the right direction. The the record had actually were, were well improved uh, on, under his tenure. Uh and, and sometimes, you know, unless it's something that there's no way back from, um you know, it, it, it sometimes these owners seems you know, seem to always want to crawl over the fence, always wanna uh, or certain owners I'm not saying all of them um, and it, it never tends to be a good um, a good solution it never tends to end up in something great uh, you've got to keep the football side and they, they do the the, the the bottom line they're doing the financials they, they do the, the bigger sort of picture but the footballing side and what goes on there it's a separate entity and, and there shouldn't really be a crossover uh, and it seems that that has happened too often at Watford and uh, and uh, yeah, that that's never it's never a, a sort of a, a thing for success.
2: Tommy, have you been at a club, clubmate um, where you have gone through a a, a load of managers and one like one season over a couple of seasons where you've not been able to get any stability, where you've been changing systems and the new styles, and you just haven't been able to get get out of that rut? Was there anything in your career? Yeah, like
3: that? Prob- probably. Yeah, the the last season that. Um, at, at Sunderland, where Peter Reid got sacked, uh, Howard Wilkinson came in for for a oh, short stint. <laughs> uh, Who was his and, assistant? Uh, oh, oh, I can't even uh, remember. I've forgotten all Left, about it. i will try to erase it. Uh, and then Mick McCarthy came in. Um, I think Howard Wilkinson was was only in charge for like six or seven games, and then uh, and then uh, Mick McCarthy stepped in. So. So uh, in that respect, it was a good change because it, it was really derailing on a uh, Wilkinson, and and the, people, the players didn't buy in. There wasn't a connection there, and, and uh, so it can be good and bad. But but it's never you know it's never a, a template for success when you chop and change all the time.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think we'll go through a few. Dave, I've seen it when I was at Leeds United hmm. when we got Peter Reed in. Um, were, well, Terry Venables after O'Leary, Peter Reed came in, then we had Kevin Blackwell. Eddie Grey. It was just a merry go roundabout and it was a it was just in free fall. And then the second time round, I wasn't actually there. It was obviously Leeds United with the previous Italian owner. And I don't know how many managers he went through. Um he's now back managing or he's now back owning the team in Italy and he's doing the same thing. So they've got a track record right I feel for Watford in that division. If they don't get some form of stability of vision in place where they want to go in some direction, it's just gonna happen again. And I, I remember speaking to Harry Kehl when he was actually the 23s manager mm, mm. Um, at the time at that football club. And I was, I was curious and asking, you know, what is, the, what is the route? What's the direction, the connection line between you and the first team? Um, and at the time, I think it was Matt, Matt, was Matt Zari, the
1: manager then? With the same time as cool cu- it sounds about right, but... I, I,
2: think would, I think it would have been. I was saying, what's the connection line? He said, oh, I've just, it, they don't bother with us. It's basically he just wants first team results, and I get given four or five players for the for that reserve game to mix in with the twenty threes and the total to just play the game. There was no connection, there was no vision, there was no blooming club structure whatsoever. So, and that that really worried me. i think this is a Premier League football club, and how are you going to learn as a coach if the first team manager doesn't give a crap anyway? So that was that was a hard thing, and and obviously the consequences four or five years down the line. This is what's happened.
1: Yeah, what's your space? I mean, how many managers can you have? It, it might, you might get a bounce back every odd time, but at some point your your charm run has to run out, and it has now for for Watford, and we say goodbye to them, also after five years in the Premier League. So Watford gone, Bournemouth gone, and as we know, Norwich have been gone for some time. Their return was disastrous after the lockdown. I think they scored one goal. <coughs> Excuse me. So. Their fans were hoping for a bit of a bounce back next year in the championship. They didn't,
2: a, they didn't win a game since COVID returned, did they?
1: No, no, no. I mean, they look like they're going to stick with Daniel Farker and that they're sort of pretty happy with the way he uh, runs the club. But um, it would be major changes for them to actually need to ever be able to come back up to the Premier League and not do the same thing and just become this uh, you know, stereotypical yo-yo between the two divisions.
2: I'm so. just, just gutted that he's still the manager because I struggle to pronounce his name. You can get away with it
1: here. This is one place you can probably get away with it. Yes, um, very borderline. <laughs> moving up the table. Um, we we're expecting some fireworks in the top four race. Um, and in the end, it was a very unlike Chelsea. With victory, 2-0, solid, defensively sound. And it may have something to do with what we foreshadowed on uh, last week's Gangapod, Thomas. You said Frank Lampard had a big choice to make about Kepper for next season. <laughs> Did you think he was going to pull the plug for the biggest game of the season?
3: No, I think that's a, that's a massive uh, <laughs> uh, signal to, to, to send. Uh, I think Kepa needs to start looking for a new club, uh, <laughs> new, <laughs> uh, because otherwise you wouldn't make a decision like this. Uh, last game of the season, it wouldn't make any sense if you move forward uh, or if you want to move forward with him. Um, I, then I don't understand it. Um, you know, you, you, you would then try to build him up and, and, and show the confidence in him by dropping him last game, as you said, in both the biggest game, uh, Champions League decider. For me, the, he's out of the door. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't make sense at all. And I don't know what Frank Lampard is doing then. Um, so I think that was a little bit of a shock to me, even though I, I, I gave him a bit of stick last week on the podcast. Uh, I, I still think there was a way back. Uh, I don't think there is now.
2: I think Frank was listening to the podcast and the Tommy have actually cost kept at Chelsea. I know he does. I
3: know he
2: does. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what like he says if that is not a message I love I love police the the band if that was not an SOS to the world to say you are done uh, I don't know what is and uh, hey you paid dividends as well by the way because the team looks they have look very very um, in control of the game.
1: Yeah, a Wolves team that I think we all said last week was going to probably be a really serious test of Chelsea's middle and yeah. uh, particularly when they're up 2-0 it was really in control after that, and it was hard for Wolves to get a kick back in. I just want to ask, in terms of a dressing room environment, just on the Kepa situation, did you both see the vision last week of the defence giving it to him late in the game when he didn't come from across? So the no-crowd noise picked up, uh, all the defenders looking at him going, Kepa, Kepa, come on, come on. Um, adding into that when the coach names the team sheet and he's not in there, Can you talk us through that environment inside? What that does when that kind of selection uh, happens with a key player going into a game like that?
3: I think that's a a key sign that confidence is lost uh, from 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 your teammates, especially defenders. You know that shows to me that he's not the leader um, uh, that that he's supposed to be. You know because when you bring in someone for seventy million. Yeah, he's young, but, but you expect leadership. You, you, you expect your big players to, to, to come, uh, you know, late in games, come for crosses. It's uh, your job, bit, Tommy, to dominate yeah, your but, penalty but, area. But be a relief for the defenders. And, yeah. and um, you know, when th- that dynamic changes and, and the defenders start to, to, to get on the keeper's back, you know, that that's never a great sign. And, and that, that also shows me the standing... Um, He's probably lost the confidence, not just from manager, but, but from, from the defenders as well. And, and they don't have that trust in him uh, or don't see from him what they expect him to be. And, and um, that could be confidence from his part. You know, I've no, I know it myself. You know, I've been in that situation. When you're low on confidence, you, you hardly take those chances. You, you rather, you sort of get more defensive. Uh, you stay on your line more than than, uh, than when you are high in confidence and you fly around your box. So uh, there is a dynamic there, but you know it's not a great look. Um, Tommy, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we?
2: Didn't the team you were there with Lionel Perez, weren't you?
3: No, no, I came after well, you. He, ca- uh...
2: You came after him. Yeah, I'm. We yeah. we. I'm sure the club and the lost a lot of faith in Lionel Perez as well. He was a quite a very very flamboyant French goalkeeper and he cost us a couple of times. And I just remember being a young kid and just uh, having a look at the, the dressing room, the sheds after the game, there was bloody people blown up. And it was the defenders having to go at Lionel, um, you know, seeing the communications crap, you had conferences down and all this. So it, it does happen. It wasn't a nice environment to be around. And that, obviously, that I thought you were there, Tommy, but we got you in. And obviously, uh, Mr. President had been vacated. So it's, 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 it's got to be sorted out early, otherwise it becomes toxic.
1: 46% of shots that Chelsea had faced were going in this season. So there was no room for error uh, in that final game of the season. And it couldn't it couldn't be. And as you mentioned, Bridgie, it was it was a good display. It was a good professional display with the twist in the first half stoppage time of Mason Mount's glorious free kick. And then Olivier Giroud pouncing and proving his worth yet again uh, just before the break. You know the difference when I was watching Manchester United and Chelsea,
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: See both going for them. Champions League spots. Manchester United, you know, Leicester gifted them two goals. Man United, I was really disappointed in their performance. They looked underdone. They looked lackluster. They didn't look like they had any it looked like they were happy with the draw. And then I'm watching the, the difference between a youngster in Mount stepping up and being the guy that wanted to take that free kick, showing character and, and like Tommy says, leadership. And then you've got a man in Giroud who looked like a man possessed. He doesn't even know where his future is going to be. But he wore that shirt for that club to score that goal, the determination. He had no right to actually get there. So I think that was a that, that was a massive difference that I saw from the two teams last night. And if, if Kasper Schmeichel... Hadn't made that mistake last night, and the other defensive error from, from Leicester, it would have been an interesting one had had Leicester um, done something. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah.
3: Okay, just touching on on Giroud, what a great story that was as well. You know, we, we go back halfway through the season when he was out in the cold, and and he was brought in out of necessity, really. Uh, you know, because they didn't have anyone else. Uh, and, you know, look what he's done for the rest of the season. He's been a uh, momentous for, 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 for Chelsea. And, and, and again today, I think, uh, came up good when, when he was needed. So, um, so, so Tommy, to
2: Dave Wiener always puts me and you on the spot with the questions. right? He looks for us to be slipping up. So I'm going to put it back in Dave Wiener. You're the <laughs> Chelsea fan. Giroud has been there, like Tommy says, completely turned the season around. There's loads of strikers and attacking players coming in. Do you want to keep him because of the immaturity, shown, or do you, does he go? And who oh, goes?
1: Oh, no, he absolutely... Do you mean in the eleven or at the club? At the club. Oh, yeah, 100% has to stay. You know, he's, he's the one man that can hold the ball up. He's the one man that provides a physical presence, a point of difference. And that's been the most important thing. When, when Chelsea were playing these teams where, where Tammy Abraham was ineffectual, you could just see when the midfielders could link with Giroud. And it was Eden Hazard who used to say that Giroud was his favourite player to play up front with because he knew that Giroud would just bounce the ball around for him and let him play off him. And I think you could see that at times for the attacking midfielders to link with. So, you know, he'll be up against it to start next season with all the players they've signed. But you so need... who leaves? Why does he leave? No, who does leave? Why, why can't Chelsea run with three strikers of Werner, Abraham and Giroud?
2: Good luck with managing that dressing room. on all fronts? That... Oh where does Ziyech way. play
3: then? Where do you, you play, Sam?
1: Yeah, I think that's the interesting one. Is I think it's actually more what happens to your Callum Hudson-Odois. Does Villians stay or not? Because I think Pulisic and um, Ziak with Mount. Pedro's gone. He he said farewell this morning. But yeah. um, there will be some big players on the bench every game for Chelsea. Um, so, I actually want to ask you... I'm going to throw it back to you. And I'm never looking for you to slip up, Pidgey. I just know you've got an eloquent answer to every single question I'm asking. That's all it is. You're my font of all knowledge here. Allegedly. And when it's not, I just edit it up and make sure you sound good. That's, that's, that's the secret to it. Um, that's, it takes two to tango, mate. I know that. You're a good man. <laughs> um, the fact is you does come back in the team. And I want to have like a, a calm look back at the season that was. Frank, that's another one of the feathers in the cap of Frank Lampard's season. And it's been one week up, one week down. They, you know, he was up against it. Then they've got to make the top four. Then they can't defend. Then they're playing great football. In the end, Frank Lampard has got a team into fourth place and the FA Cup final in a season where we rhyme back almost a year. People said Chelsea probably would have been in the positions that Spurs and Arsenal are in now. You know, what assessment do you make of the way Lampard has managed that now that it has been run and won and we have the results in the bag to judge it by? I've really enjoyed
2: seeing how he's taken the Chelsea Football Club and the fans are always going to embrace him. The way he's taken the management side of it, absolutely incredible. Like you say, what he has achieved this season, the making the big decisions. That one on the final day with Kepa, like I say, he's, he's, the, he's the boss. He's, he's set a presence now of, you know, if it's my rules, it's my way. If you're not going to play by the rules, the only thing that I feel is letting down this season was last week when they played Liverpool. The lack of disrespect towards Jurgen Klopp on the sideline when he mentioned how many medals and trophies he'd won as a player, as opposed to Klopp winning. That was the only thing I can put my finger on where he came across as a bit too arrogant and really tarnished the hard work that he'd done. And I think offsided a lot of other people, you know, kind of went, whoa, hang on a minute. That was the pressure of the game. Um, I think he probably regrets what he has said Uh, and for me though everything else is a massive tick 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 so you you know Chelsea fans and the club in general I think made a massive decision there and it paid off.
1: How far can they go from here Thomas? Where should they aim to be and we all know that you know attacking signings aren't the top of the to-do list now. Um, What type of signings Ah, and I assume goalkeeper is in the rank now. We all say defence. Yeah, yeah, we know that. But um, what parts of the team in particular do they need to strengthen to continue that growth next season?
3: Uh, I think leadership will, will be hugely important. Um, you know, we, we've seen, um, especially at the back, what leadership has cost them uh, in transition. And we, we've, we've sat here on this show uh, over the last three or four weeks and, and uh, late in games, uh, not being organized, having two men forward getting done on the break, uh, the goalkeeping position, leadership there, back four. Uh, I I think, you know, a central defender, someone there, you know, who can be that talisman uh, with the goalkeeper. So you have that spine all the way. You always talk of a spine towards the team and, and uh, uh, throughout the team. And, and uh, I think they have... A lot of the pieces in place. Uh, and I agree with Bridget fully that uh, I think Lampard has done a fan, you know, phenomenal job this, this season. Uh, where, where he's come from. Uh, yes, you, you, you are a club legend. You are given a little bit of a free pass to start. Uh, but at some point, you've got to prove yourself as the manager. You've got to make the tough decisions. And I think he's shown that uh, he's been willing to do that. I think he has a lot of respect for, from, from the players, and, and that's a great start. And and from there you can build. Um, so so they've they got some decisions to make, but I think leadership, I think, is is key. A couple of players there would make a huge difference for them.
1: Huge swing to be in the top four. What that does, The, the other season. thing, Dave, I,
2: I really respect Ancelotti when he when he took the Everton job, because he normally takes the top teams or the top two or three teams in the in the divisions when he goes and manages there. That was a massive leap of faith for him. Frank Lampard's gone back to Chelsea where he's absolutely adored. He could have tarnished everything he had done for that football club Mm. had it been an absolute shock horror. So you've got to, when somebody's willing to back themselves and have a crack like he has done, again, I, I, I admire that so much because he doesn't listen to the demons that would have been in his head, the gremlins that were saying, you're not good enough for this. This is too big of a job for you. He's just brushed them aside and gone, I'm going to back myself and prove what I'm worth. So I credit that massively.
1: Well, another guy who's done exactly that and in a fairly similar position, might not have the same legendary status as a Lampard, but he's definitely a club favourite and that's Ole a Solskjaer. And he, he really has flipped things on its head too. You know, you think about the way they were panned for probably the first half of the season. People said he wouldn't last till December. He couldn't control Paul Pogba. They played, you know, only on the break and they only had speed. And yeah, they limped to the finish line. He even acknowledged that this morning. Um, but now he making the top four times. They have the mandate. To build on what happened post Bruno Fernandes, um, same question on United: How far can they go, and what do they need to get there?
3: Uh, I, you know, again, I think they have a, a lot of the, the pieces uh, in place. Um, you know, you look at just the attacking force, the the, the young players. Uh, you got some. You know, great driving force and obviously Fernandez. even though he sort of faded a little bit over he wasn't great this morning um, even though he managed to, to squeeze home a penalty um, you know again Maguire I think he's got a lot of good things going about he's, a, he's, a, he's an all-round sort of solid uh, defender but you know he, he doesn't deal well with pace um, played every uh, single
2: game of the Premier League season by the way the first man since Gary Pallister
3: That's yeah you know well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so and he is uh, obviously uh, the captain, and, and uh, uh, but I, I think someone alongside him, uh, somebody who can compensate uh, for what he's not good at, I think would, would be huge. Uh, De Gea, you know, he needs to step it up. Um, you know, uh, longer term. <laughs> Again, if if he's still out. <laughs> uh, but but again, I think he's, again, Solskjaer, you know, you look at how, how he came in uh, with a lot of hype, did well, took over permanently and, and struggled and, and then now has built it back up. Uh, I think a lot of credit. Uh, and, and you look at United finally being out of the, the tunnel, or at least peeping out of uh, the dark tunnel they've been in for, God knows, since Ferguson left. And I think it's, that's exciting. You know, you want United up there with the Man Cities, with the Chelsea's, with the Liverpool's, with the, you know, Arsenal. You, you, you want that. Uh, that's part of English football and, and United are a massive piece of that jug, uh, that, that juggernaut.
2: I think the big, a big thing for me, Dave and, and Tommy, is when you look at on and go to Solskjaer, you see some of the best business owners in the world. You see some of the best managers in the world. They always talk about failure before you have success. And Oli tasted that early on but they, you know, the club stuck with him. He had a lot of stuff to sort out with the players. And again, his armour has just grown and grown and grown. And when he signs someone like Fernandez, that comes in and takes the, the shackles off you and gets you a little bit of relief again, I just think Oli has grown so much as a manager because of the things that he, he experienced in that first part where the pressure was on. He looked. I mean, I've never seen a man who was called the baby-faced assassin age so much. If anything puts you off management, just look at Oni Gunnar Solskjaer. That is just a picture of unhealth. And finally, he was smiling again at the end of the season. So he needs a massive manicure. But he's grown in so much stature. And um, I think it's it's put him in good a good spot for the rest of his footballing career as a manager and what he's learned at United in this short time.
1: Pogba stays now, doesn't he? Um, and then they sort of have a mandate to sign some, you know, you mentioned defender, you mentioned possible goalkeeper. Do they need a player that can step in for one of that wonderful front three if they can't go the distance? Because, Bridget, you did hint, actually, that they kind of fell over the line. They were exhausted at the end. Yeah. And when I I look at benches, I looked at Man
2: City's bench last night. I looked at Chelsea's bench last night. This just seemed to be a lot more. And I'm thinking of the players that they've got coming in. And the only one that I compare, I mean, Liverpool have managed to get away with it. Mm. They, You know, there's talk that when they get a player injured, they haven't really struggled to fill that void. Um, there's totally United one, Sancho. I think the more players you can get with that kind of calibre, so they've got a bigger squad in depth going into Champions League. They, they're going to have to make some signings, and they're going to have to be big signings, not just not just makeshift ones. So again, I'd be going, "Yep, Sancho," because you know Greenwood is a fantastic player. Um, uh, he, he, there's going to be at some point where it's going to he's going to feel the pressure. He's going to have a little bit of a drought. So you need a big you need a big squad, and that's when I'm, I'm I just saw United's bench thinking, you know, it's just not as desirable. Uh, is what it cu- could be, so that's a big thing that may need to sort out. They just get that quality in the squad depth.
1: Yeah, Jaden Sancho, how much is he worth? That's going to be the interesting one with United. I mean, I, it's it's hard to see him go. It's just hard to see because then there's going to be a ridiculous player miss out every week if if, if that does happen. But um, cue the transfer window rumours. That's what starts as of as of tomorrow. So that's what everyone's going to be talking about. Um, oh, but- more football, love it. <laughs> Um, Pogba, he stays. Thomas,
3: I think so, and and, and that's another credit uh, to Solskjaer I think his management of, of that situation, um, because uh, you know he, he, there seemed to be a a lot of things going on early in the season, and that's quieted down. And, and and potentially the signing of Fernandez has has uh, you know sort of leveled him out again, giving him a, a new lease of, of life and. Uh, and he can also see that the club is going in the right direction, so so I, I think there's there's a positive signs there that, that that he he can stay and that that he will stay on and uh, will be a big part of, of United going forward because he is a great player. Uh, he seems just to to be a bit up and down when his mind is not hundred percent in it, and um, you know when he's since he's come back he, he's, he's been great. So uh, yeah, the I think the time also-
1: of
2: the only time I've seen him upset since the return, because obviously Fernandez and him have struck up a lovely partnership. You can just see the smiles on the faces. The only, the only thing I did laugh at when Pogba gave the penalty away the other day, and Antonio kind of whispered something to one of the other players, and kind of said, "What the hell was he doing?" If looks could kill, Pogba looked like he wanted to rip his head off. So that's the only time I haven't seen Pogba smile since the return of the football. So i i, I think I think he'll stay as well, Dave. I do.
1: I tell you what, they're probably favourites to pick up a trophy in August uh, with the Europa League still alive. they had for sure. They were doing well on that before they were in full stride. So they would have to back, be backing themselves to go very, very deep into that October uh, August mini tournament. Um, as with Wolves, a word on um, Wolves. Who they they're still alive there, but they might miss out on on Europe now. That's it's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? Because
3: they've been just there all season. Yeah, I think they'll be, yeah, they'll be disappointed. Uh, you know, they they still got the the FA Cup uh, chance uh, in there, and uh, it might as well uh, end up uh, be, being a blessing for them. Um, you know that that Arsenal hopefully doesn't win, and, and, and your your team, Dave, gets a gets a trophy. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, they've done so great. And and you see the same with Sheffield and I did. You know, they've had a, a great season, but not nothing really to show for it. Not as good as it could have been and, and where they were, you know, earlier in the season. So I think that they'll be disappointed. Uh, they they had they had it in their own grasp, even today. You know, they didn't put on a great performance. Uh, um, you know, it didn't create a lot. And I think that that's the disappointing thing. You know, had they been beaten in a, in a, in a thriller and and they had everything on the line and, and then you could say, yes, we did it uh, and, and just weren't good enough. But, you know, I think they'll be disappointed after today's performance, at least, where they could have made, made short of them, them themselves.
2: They Again, risk- I just think squad depth I just think, think squad depth took a toll on them in the end, a little bit of fatigue. And I was surprised that Troy didn't play last night.
1: Yeah, so was I. Because
2: the counter-attack against Chelsea, I thought he was. So, There's, you know, there's, maybe some of the players were feeling a little bit of fatigue. Um, and they just need a bit more depth in there and Matinho's on the bench his legs you know getting a bit bit older but uh, it's, it's been an incredible season I think if they would they would have settled for that no end whatsoever but again all eyes now go to the FA Cup final and can Arsenal get that spot but I'm, I'm going to back your team Dave I'm, I'm, I'm going to be singing by Chelsea in that one
1: I'll tell you what though I reckon just given how much is at stake for Arsenal you know the ability to stay in Europe um, sign players with a European sort of mandate again They've got so much to play for in that FA Cup final though.
2: Yeah, they're not just playing for themselves. They're playing, I mean, Gordon Tanner, who is, um, he does all the sponsorships for Arsenal Football Club. The difference between getting a sponsor when you're in the Champions League to the Europa League to not being in any competition in Europe. I mean, Gordon hasn't got any hair to begin with, right? Which is even funny, but you you must just be pulling it out at will. It's um, a very stressful job. He says, you know, it, it helps when the players, it helps the whole football club when a team... Is in European football when you are going and knocking on doors and making phone calls to major sponsors to say this is what we're all about. So there is a lot of people relying and hoping that Arsenal can get in because of the, you know, there's a lot of jobs at stake as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not the end of the world. Antonio Conte had no European football at Chelsea and the club status allowed him to sign and build on that season and actually win the Premier League when they weren't in there. Um, but you wonder whether Arsenal, just the way they've been in the last few years, whether Arteta can still attract players. If they're not in any any European competition at all, it'll be it'll be quite interesting to watch, in that sense. Um, speaking of transfers, do you think just one more on Wolves? Are they solid enough, Thomas, that you know their players will stick around and continue that rebuild, or are they with so many good players? If this if they miss out on Europe, are they kind of an attractive um, place to maybe pick a player, a Jimenez or a Treore or a Neves? You know that they might start to get a bit of a twinkle in their eye and and, and listen to any big offers.
3: That's always the danger, um, you know. When when you do miss out, uh, other people will be pouncing, and and other people have the, the opportunities with European football. Um, so I think, you know, Wolves would have everything crossed that uh, that Chelsea do get over the line and they they get that last spot because he'll, yeah, Atauri who's had a fantastic season. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jimenez and and uh, Neves. Um, you know, they, they, so they, there's people there who, who would be attracted to, to other teams who are in, in a better position if Wolves doesn't make it. Um, so it, it, it's it because they've built something great there. You know, I think from where Wolves have come from, you know, I used to play against, they were in the championship further down and, and how they've built that club up and, and built a stadium as well uh, um, in, a, in a not so nice area of Birmingham. Uh, you know, and that's fantastic. It's great for the city. It's great for the very, competition. There, very diplomatic, uh, there, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I gotta be. But uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a great achievement, and you don't you don't want you don't want to see the wheels come off if you, if you start losing two or three players uh, of that magnitude that I just mentioned.
1: It's a good perspective. A Good perspective for where they've come from with a bit of backing and good management and organisation over the last five years. You'd have to say um, it would have been. It would have been incredible if they'd cracked the Champions League and now they're hanging on for the Europa League. Um, Bridget, to you, Tottenham. Tottenham, you've said a lot about them this season, but I'm asking the same question I asked you um, about Chelsea, just with the light in light of we know now what the final verdict is. Um, assessment of the season and what next to kick on.
2: Just mixed emotion. It's been an absolute roller coaster ride right? I think the, the biggest for me was waking up and reading the news that um, you know, we'd lost lost Pochettino. I could not believe that. I still I'm still in disbelief. I'm still hoping that I wake up and it's it is all a dream. Um, it's not. We got in Jose. Now listen, Jos Josie's coming. He, he I don't know how he sold his his team model or his philosophy of his style of play to to um, the owners and levy and people like that stack, because it was almost bipolar opposite to what the fans and the players were used to doing in the attacking style of football so I'm still coming to terms with that Dave I'm still not happy with the decision as a fan um, going forward remains to be seen I'm looking forward to seeing who they who they sign if they do sign anybody because it's still a big stadium bill mm. um, and then will, will be going so we need somebody to fill that void and come in Harry Kane again showing his worth even Playing in it, Mourinho is right though. Even playing a defense defensive style of play, Harry Kane will score goals. Okay. But um, I, I still I still think some of the players want to play with that, that freedom, and some of them will be secretly thinking, "Can we get an attacking or an attacking minded manager, or get back to playing the way that we 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 want to?" So it remains to be seen, Dave. I'm, I'm still a, I'm still a little bit down. It's, it's still a bit of a blur, mate and um, I've actually for the last, it, it's the first time I think in. The last six years, I would say that the last few games for Spurs, I haven't actually been thinking. Oh, I've got to get on and watch this game, and that that hurts. That hurts me. We've had other things that we've been getting involved with. I've been enjoying watching as run um, in the Championship, but the one for Spurs, that, that's not like me. Normally, I'm I'm watching them games. And that just shows how much I'm actually not enjoying it at this moment in time.
1: Now, a good friend of mine who's an avid listener of this show texted me. He said, "I want to know who Bridgie's going to support next year when Spurs play Leeds." And I said, "Listen, he's a big Leeds, he's a big Spurs supporter." But in light of what you just said, uh, what, what will your emotions be when that matchup happens next year?
2: If they're playing them tomorrow, it would be Leeds United. But if we're playing next season, we've got a fresh start. Nah, it's Tottenham Hotspur, of course it is. It's Spurs. <laughs> I've got a love. I've got a love, affection for Leeds. I'm one of the ambassadors for Leeds United. There's no doubt about. it. But I've been a Spurs fan because of Chris Waddle, when he went down there, mate,
1: and that'll that'll never never change. So there you go. There you go. be happy to have that answered on the show for him. Um, But you mentioned earlier Jack Grealish, right? Going and playing somewhere where he could get rid of the shackles. And we said Spurs. And the first thing I thought of was, I'm going to ask you when we get back to Spurs talking about Mourinho. Does a coach like a manager at this point cost Spurs someone like Grealish if he looks there and goes, "Mm, is he going to give me the freedom to do what I want to do? Of course it does. Players aren't silly. Tommy, Tommy will tell you that. We we look at
2: who the manager is. They've got to, They've got to sell you their bloody dream. And I, I can't see that one. I, I would love to see it. But with Mourinho, you must be having doubts there, Tommy. Surely.
3: Yeah, no. I think if you know, depends on what options he has. But but I think Arsenal will probably be a, a much better option if if yeah. he was given those two choices. Um, you know, we we've been in that situation. Yes, you do look. You know, yes, the, 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 the contract, you look at the numbers in the contract, but he's a young player. He's got a great future and, and he needs to manage that. Like, like we've seen with other clever players, uh, Harland, who, who could have gone and, and taken a big money elsewhere, but he, he went for what was best for his career. And I think Grealish needs to do that as well. He'll earn the money over the long term. So he needs to pick that right spot and uh, if, he, if, I, if he had those choices between Arsenal and Tottenham, uh, I'm sure he would choose Arsenal. It would be wise to choose Arsenal. Yeah.
2: Well, Dave, you know the story when I didn't sign for Tottenham Hotspur because of Alan Sugar, you know, yeah. the dream killer. And what he said to me, you know, he, he didn't really make his or NBMA to the football club and they didn't know that it was the club that I'd supported since a boy. But also George Graham was the manager and I remember sitting there even before Alan Sugar had come in and spoiled everything and I'm sitting there looking at Mr. Arsenal, who was the manager of Tottenham Hotspur, and something again just didn't feel right at that moment. It didn't matter what he said; everything that he said, I just saw red, red, red coming out of him. So it was, it it, it was a big thing again. That was another thing that really put me off um, wanting to sign there at that moment in time um, for for Tottenham because of the manager's what you know the history that he had. Great, great fella, but I just knew that it just didn't sit right, and I, it didn't feel. I felt very uncomfortable.
1: Oh, we'll wait and see what happens with, with Spurs. It's going to be, it's going to be entertaining, if, if at least off the field, not on the field, that's for sure. But Jose still, in a season that he hasn't been sacked, has steered his side to Europe. He keeps that record going for the entirety of his career. Now, the rest of the results from overnight, you know Newcastle, they scored up to 25 seconds against Liverpool, but lost 3-1, um, Burnley and Brighton. 2-1 to Brighton. Aaron Moy and Matt Ryan, there enjoying a win to end the season. Um, Manchester City, five. Norwich City, nil. Kevin De Bruyne equalised, equalled, I should say, Terry Henry's assist record. And we said farewell to David Silva, who Bridgie spoke about um, so beautifully last week, paying tribute to him uh, and his contribution to the Premier League. Um, they were the other sort of inconsequential results from what was a fairly hectic night. So as we end off 2019-2020's season of the game our second ever season just a final word to both of you whether it's on the night that was the season that was how do we want to end this fellas so i'll uh, throw to you thomas for your final
3: final words for the season let's get the fans back in the stadium please <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my biggest wish uh you know it, it's been a, obviously a season of two halves uh, a lot of excitement uh, a lot of, you know, even down to the last day of, of relegation and, and European places. So so the footballing side, I've got no issues with. Um, but again, I think it's just proved to me how important the fans are, you know, how big a part they play for how we watch the game, how we enjoy the game. Uh, so let's get them back for next season. Uh, and I can't wait, uh, you know, for that to happen and 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 for us to, to start it all over again because uh, you know this is what we love. This has uh, been a fantastic trip, and and we know it continues.
2: <clears throat> I'd like to say a personal message to COVID: Can you please bleep the bleep off and let us get back to normal life, please? Uh, uh, and, you know, to to all everybody that's listening to this show, Dave. To to all the listeners, to all the football fans that are out there. You know, it it just shows this this is. It's a wonderful game, it's the world game and it puts a smile on everybody's faces. There's tears, there's joy, the emotions the emotions that we go through, the roller coaster rides that it brings in our life. Um I, I was when it wasn't here, I was a broken man. I think I stipulated that. It was it was so hard. Not just on watching the Premier League and games around the world, but also for the for the kids. Mm. You know, not being able to see my kids run around on a Saturday morning. It, it was it was something that I, I I hope we don't have to go through ever again. Um but, you know, we've enjoyed a Premier League season. It's given us the highs and lows and I just can't believe we will be back and it's going to be a short turnaround until the 12th of September. Bring it on. Mm. Bring it on. And thank you very much for everybody that, um, that's listened to our dribble. <laughs>
1: yeah. Hours and hours and hours of it and about 15 weeks longer than we expected it to go. Um, but you know what? That got us through that period because we needed to talk about football and take us to a happy place Um, football is a happy place, you don't know what it's got, what you've got till it's gone Um, and the great news is hopefully we do get fans back soon but we have Champions League back next month before we know it, by the time that wraps up, we're going to have the Premier League back as Bridgie mentioned on September 12 with Leeds United, with West Bromwich Albion and to be continued who that third club is, I can't wait to see the theatre of Leeds back in the top flight and to see all all the drama that comes with it next season, it's there's always something different with the f- f- football in the Premier League. And having Leeds is going to add a whole new complexion to next season. Um, it's, I don't think we'll ever see a season like this one. Well, we won't because it went for new. I just hope
2: Bielsa is going to be there, Dave, because there's talk, there's no smoke without fire, that Messi has asked if they can get Bielsa at Barcelona. So there is one for you. Because I'll tell you what, Leeds showed that under the Bielsa way, the way they played against Arsenal in that FA Cup game, they're going to give a lot of teams a run for their money with their fitness and their movement. So it's going to be a very, very... I think it'll be an enjoyable season for Leeds fans going into the Premier League. Um, but I'll tell you what, this, this thing would be else.
1: I just... I hope the Messiah stays. Just get, just get that pen to paper. Just get that pen to paper
3: for...
1: Or sign Messi one way or the other. Just make sure, make sure you get it done. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Well, to everyone out there as ever, thank you for your um, listening through the season. As I said, 52 episodes. It's a bit longer than the normal season was meant to be, but it's been an absolute pleasure talking football uh, with you every single week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, we've provided some sort of insight as well as a bit of a laugh every week. Um, Bridgie, you've been there almost every week. Thank you for hanging around and um, having a good yarn every single week and It's been great to have you on board, particularly in this last six weeks, Thomas. It's been absolutely brilliant just talking football and just talking to two former Premier League players and just sharing your experiences with us every single week. So thanks. Thanks heaps, guys.
2: Pleasure. Pleasure. Tommy, you you know what's been great as well, Dave, just to actually sit here and chat with one of my old colleagues as well and t- just to hear an insight we, it's incredible to think that we played together at Sunderland all them years ago and now we are living in this beautiful country. Tommy's down in Melbourne. I'm, I'm in New South Wales and um, who would have thought it all them years ago. If you could look into a crystal ball and somebody had told me that and told Tommy that on a bus, I would have laughed. So there you go.
3: Yeah, it's, it's been a great journey and um, you know, at the moment I would love to be up in New South Wales with you but uh, <laughs> I have to enjoy this a bit more and... Uh, enjoy my football on the side. Uh, keep me, keep me, keep, keep, keep smiling.
1: Good man. Stay safe, lad. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks, Jensen. To everyone out there, as ever, until the next game and pot, whenever that may be. Enjoy football.